Don't just learn, experience. Don't just hear, listen. Now, this is a quote by Albert Einstein, which we found in a book, Isabel Wilkinson's cast book. If the majority knew of the root of this evil, then the road to its cure would not be long. Hmm, very poignant. Yes, it is, yes. And um, it will it will make sense as we go through our podcast, yes, the root of this evil. Uh, we'd like to say hello and welcome to Julia Moring's podcast. We do hope you had a lovely Easter break. Perhaps you got away for a staycation or you just managed to catch up with friends and family, which has been long overdue because we know that some of the restrictions have now been lifted. Thank you for joining us for our podcast and thank you so much for the feedback on the book, The Better Half. Um, it was interesting, wasn't it, Julia, um, that people were saying, oh, it's finished. Yeah, <laughs> we it was. Yeah, and like we always say, it's always worth a read. So um, we only touch the surface. So if you want to buy the book, don't forget, it's The Better Half by Dr. Sharon Molum. Yes. Yeah, it was a really good book, learned so much. But today we're featuring the book Cast by Isabel Wilkinson, um, a Pulitzer Prize winner. And in this brilliant book, Isabel Wilkinson gives us a masterful portrait of an unseen phenomenon in America. As she explores through an immersive and deeply researched narrative and stories about real people, about how America today and throughout its history has been shaped by a hidden caste system, a rigid hierarchy of human rankings. Yes, right. So Wilkinson's thesis is about that black people occupy and have always occupied the lowest position within our social and economic ranks. Social class is changeable, but caste is fixed. She compares their positions to the Dalits, better known as the untouchables, who are the lowest rung of the caste system in India. And she compares them to Jews during the Holocaust. Sorry. If this seems like overkill to you, get this book and read it carefully. This writer is relentless. When she seeks to prove a point, she documents, documents and documents again. Yeah, it's a real eye-opener, this book. Um, and, but a reminder to our listeners, Through Our Eyes is a podcast based on our thoughts and our points of view. We acknowledge that not all listeners may agree with our content. So by accessing this podcast, note that the information, opinions and recommendations presented to you are for general information only. Okay, thank you for that, Julia. So let's get started. Yeah, let's get going. Right, so what does caste mean to you? If you look up this word in the dictionary, it means something that is fixed, set to repair broken bones or the cast of a play. Everyone having a role and knowing their place. Our understanding of caste is very much based on people knowing their place or the hierarchy that underpins this. What does race mean when we've heard it for so long? Can caste replace the term race? Do we need a new language to talk about race? Mm, some interesting questions there. Yes. Now, the, 
book actually opens with an iconic image from a 1936 Nazi rally in Germany in which all the shipyard workers photographed, except for one, are saluting the Führer. Now that lone man stands, arms crossed, refusing to hail Hitler. He is on the right side of history, epitomising the energy and resilience we all must summon to get free of the shape-shifting, unspoken, race-based caste pyramid that still moulds our society. Mm, indeed, yes. And Isabel describes this scene very clearly. Because if you look closely, you can see a man in the upper right who is different from the others. His face is gentle but unyielding. Modern day displays of the photograph will often add a helpful red circle around the man or an arrow pointing to him. He is surrounded by fellow citizens caught up under the spell of the Nazis. He is the one man standing against the tide. Google it. Uh, we both did, didn't we, Julia? Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. Now, looking back from our vantage point, everyone around him is tragically, fatefully, categorically wrong. Mm. In that moment, only he could see it. His name's believed to have been August Landmesser. And as Isabel states, it made us think... Do we have the bravery to stand firm against an ocean? What would it take to be Augusta Lamessa in any era? I mean, what would it take to be him now, Maureen? Yeah, absolutely. You'd have to show some fortitude for sure. Mm. And yeah, we start our journey of this book as Isabel describes a heat wave that struck the Siberian tundra in 2016 which has been part of Russia since the 17th century. Now, above the Arctic Circle and far from the tectonic plates of Siberia, the heat rose beneath the Earth's surface and also bore down from above, the air reaching an inconceivable 95 degrees on the Russian peninsula of Yamal. Wildfires flared and pockets of methane gurgled beneath the normally frozen soil in the polar region. You know, we have talked of natural disasters in previous podcasts and their consequences. Yeah. Now, what actually happened with this unexpected heat wave was that the children of the indigenous herdsmen fell sick. And it was from a mysterious illness that many people had never seen and they didn't even recognise and a 12-year-old boy developed a high fever and acute stomach pangs and then passed away. Russian authorities declared a state of emergency mm. and they began airlifting hundreds of sick and herding people to the nearest hospital in Sal Salakad. Mm, they did. And what scientists then identified that we read was what had afflicted the Siberian settlements. The heat had chiseled far deep into the Russian permafrost than was normal and had exposed a toxin that had been encased since 1941. It was actually the pathogen anthrax, which had killed herds of reindeer all those decades ago and had lay hidden in the animal carcasses long since buried in the permafrost. Wow. wow. Mm. I mean, what had happened was a thawed and tainted carcass rose to the surface that summer and the pathogen had awakened. 
it was still intact and it was still as powerful as ever. The pathogen spores seeped into the grazing land and they infected the ranger and they spread to the herders who were raising them and relied upon them. Now, Isabel compares the anthrax to the reactivation of the human pathogens of hatred and tribalism in this evolving century that have never died. But they've laid in wait, sleeping, until extreme circumstances brought it to the surface and back to life. Well, God, that's a powerful story, listeners, of something lying in wait until its denuating forces bring them back to life. Well, mm. now, what emotions does that evoke in you, listeners, if you think about racism? Does it really get buried for a few decades and resurfaces again as part of the human cycle? Mm. Thought, isn't it? Interesting question, you know, but however, just like the hardy virus anthrax, a contagion that could not be destroyed, but only managed and anticipated. Now, on the other side of the planet, in the same year, 2016, the world's oldest and most powerful de democracy was in spasms over an election that would transfix the Western world and break with American history. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And for the first time in American history, a woman was running as a major party candidate for president of the United States. A, whole, a household name. The candidate was a no-nonsense national figure, overqualified by some estimates. We have discussed this before and shared that there is evidence that shows that the presence of women in politics makes a tangible difference to the laws that get passed. Well, Hillary Clinton was declared too ambitious to be the first female president. Wasn't it ambitious for a candidate so transparently unqualified for the job that his candidacy seemed more like a prank than a serious bid for the White House? Yeah, absolutely, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, we all know what ensued. Trump's years were notorious, mind-bogglingly dangerous, <coughs> Sorry. as he exposed his rhetoric. He would boast of grabbing women by the genitals, mock the disabled, encourage violence against the press and against those who disagreed with him. Now, his fellow followers, sorry, jeered the female candidate, chanting, lock her up, mass rallies. Mm, yeah, and we know what happened during his presidency and he was impeached twice. But loved by many for restoring the notion of white supremacy. Now, let's be clear, white supremacy has never really died. And as Isabel states, Trump represented the Conservative Party that in recent decades had, been had come to be seen as protecting an old social order, benefiting and appealing largely to white voters. Mm. Now, the summer of 2016 and into the fall and in the ensuing years, this is not America, or I don't recognise my country, or this is not who we are, except as label state, uh, as Isabel states, sorry, this was and is our country, and this was and is who we, we are, whether we have known or recognised it or not. Absolutely. And do you know what? The single-mindedness of the president's followers and the anguish of the opposition seemed to compromise the system of checks and balances thought to be built into the foundation 
and meant for a time the United States was not a fully functional democracy. Mm. Interesting. Now, we're talking about race or caste and how we perceive it. It is an uncomfortable subject for most of us, but race, caste is real and it needs to be discussed. And 2020 brought about an awakening with the deaths of Verona Taylor, George Floyd, and unfortunately, so many others shot by authorities with impunity. Slogans such as I can't breathe and get your foot off my neck demanded people talk about their views on race and demanded yet again the conversation on equality. Now, Maureen and I, we did talk about race, didn't we? In the we did. Of George Floyd. And I must say, yeah. you know, credit to you, Julia, um, that you went on and you undertook a huge amount of personal research on race just to inform yourself and get a better understanding of what the whole race you know, understanding race and what that actually means and how it actually impacts people of colour. I couldn't get my head around it all, Maureen. It was frightening. Mm. And, so, and just the conversations with you, yeah, I just wanted to find out mm. more. Now, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, an eminently quotable Supreme Court justice who passed away last year, said, I ask no favour for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. The story of the notorious RBG can be viewed on Netflix. A truly remarkable lady. Now people of colour ask the same for their race or caste. And black women of colour ask for equality for both their colour and their sex. Wow, that's a double jeopardy. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah, so let's be clear. Equal rights refers to equality before the law, when all people have the same rights. Human rights are when such rights are held in common by all people. Civil rights are when such rights are held in common by all citizens of a nation. And civil rights has been long tried and tested by many civil rights movements, but here we are again talking about race and equality. Do we all have equal rights? What have we really learned? Or do we need to change the conversation, Julia, to cast? What do you think, listeners? Mm, interesting questions. Now, Isabel explains it quite succinctly, we felt. Looking beneath the history of one's country is like learning that alcoholism or depression runs in the family, or that suicide has occurred more often than might be usual, or, with the advances in medical genetics, discovering that one has inher inherited the biomarkers for breast cancer. Mm, but, you know, Isabel makes a really good point, doesn't she? Because she says, you don't just ball up in a corner with guilt or shame at these discoveries. You don't. If you're wise, you don't forbid any mention of them. In fact, you do the opposite. You educate yourself, you talk to people who have been through it and to specialists who have researched it. You learn the consequences and the obstacles, the options and treatment. You may pray over it and meditate over it. Then you take precautions to protect yourself and the next generations and work to ensure that these things, whatever they are, don't happen again. 
But what happens when we talk about race? It's like we have not learned anything. And these issues keep rearing their head as they have not been fully addressed. What lessons have we really learned? Mm, you do ask the question, you know. I mean, Isabel tells a story using the metaphors of an old house, which is really good. Now, an old house is its own kind of devotional, a dwauger aunt with a story to be coaxed out of her. A mystery, a series of interlocking puzzles, a waiting solution. Now, what is behind this discoloured patch of brick? With an old house, the work is never done. And you don't expect it to. Yeah, no, you don't. And I did like her analogy or her metaphor of the house. So Isabel states that America is an old house. We can never declare the work over. Wind, flood, drought and human upheavals batter a structure that is already fighting whatever flaws were left unattended in the original foundation. When you live in an old house, you may not want to go into the attic after a storm to see what the rains have wrought. Choose not to look. However, that's at your own peril. The owner of an old house knows that whatever you were ignoring will never go away. So just like old, that old house, we cannot ignore race or caste as it will never go away. No, too true. It won't Maureen, you know. Now, Isabel goes on to say that America like many old houses, has an unseen skeleton. A caste system that is as central to its operation as are the studs and the joists that we cannot see in the physical buildings that we call a home. Caste is the infrastructure of our divisions. It's the architecture of human hierarchy. The subconscious code of instructions for maintaining. In America's case, it's a 400-year-old social order. Looking at caste, as she says, is like holding the country's x-ray up to the light. Wow. What feelings does that evoke in well, your Well, you know, it makes you think about caste, you know, or racism. It's unseen. It's hidden. And that really makes it dangerous in my mind. And... We are being managed by means of a social order. We may not understand it, but it's there and it's causing division. Absolutely. Mm, yeah, so, and listeners, you may know of some caste systems as throughout human history, three caste systems have stood out. The tragic caste system of Nazi Germany, the lingering millennia long caste system of India, and the shape-shifting, unspoken, race-based caste pyramid in the United States. Each version has relied on stigmatizing those deemed inferior to justify the dehumanization necessary to keep the lowest-ranked people at the bottom and to rationalize the protocols of enforcement. So imagine that, really. Wow. Mm. Now, listeners, as we go about our daily lives, that hierarchy of caste is not about feelings or mm. mortality. It is about power. Which groups have it and which don't? It's about resources. Which caste is seen as worthy of them and which aren't? Who gets to acquire and control them? Who doesn't? It's about respect, authority and assumptions of competence. Who is accorded these? Who's not? Mm, yeah, that's, that's very powerful, Jake. 
Julie, as we go about our daily lives and what people look like or the race they're being assigned or are perceived to belong to is the visible cue to their cast. It, it's like the historic flashcard to the public of how they are to be treated, where they're expected to live, what kinds of positions they're expected to hold, whether they belong in this section of town or that seat in a boardroom, whether they should be expected to speak with authority on this object, whether they will be a pain relief in a hospital, whether their neighbourhood is likely to join a toxic waste site or to have contaminated water flowing through their taps, whether they are more or less likely to survive childbirth in the most advanced nation in the world. That flashcard just wow. from looking at you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, still living in the poorer neighbourhoods, not getting the health care needed, and your intellect questioned when seated in a boardroom. I mean, where's the equality there in that? There isn't. I mean, race is what we can see. The physical traits that have been given random meaning and become shorthand for, for who a person is. Now, caste is the powerful infrastructure that holds each group in its place. What's the difference? Well, Isabel makes a good case and states that caste is fixed and rigid. Race is fluid and superficial, subject to periodic redefinition to meet the needs of the dominant caste. Dominant caste, meaning white. Mm. Now, more tragically, at the end of the end of the ladder, the subordinate caste, too, has been fixed from the beginning as the psychological floor beneath which all other castes cannot fall. Now, that statement certainly puts you in your place, if you accept the caste. Absolutely, yeah. And to end... Um... We're all born into a silent war game, centuries old, enlisted in teams not of our own choosing. And as Andrew Hacker, who's a political scientist, wrote, the use of inherited physical characteristics to differentiate sorry, inner abilities and group value may be the cleverest way that a culture has ever devised to manage and maintain a caste system. He goes on to state, the use of caste as a social and human division to include the use of physical traits to form human categories surpasses all others, even gender, in its intensity and subordination. Well, now I'm just screaming at that whole injustice. Mm, it is. I can hear you. I uh, completely feel you. I mean, listeners, we really thank you for listening. I mean, that is our end of today's podcast and our thoughts and opinions on race, caste for this week. It's a tough and emotional subject matter, but we shouldn't shy away from it because it might make us feel uncomfortable. We should talk about it. Conversations must happen actions need to be questioned. Yeah, absolutely, Julia. We do need to have the race conversation. And listeners, don't forget to listen in next week and keep those messages coming. And you can email us at throughoureyesbookdiscussions at gmail.com or voice message us using the anchor link. And we're pleased to say we are now on Siri and Alexa. <laughs> yeah, so have a good week, listeners, and you, Julia. 
Oh, Maureen, that was really good. Very thought-provoking, though. Listeners, look out for our um, world segregated by what you look like. Surely that can't be right as the next title of our mm. next episode, where we're going to continue our discussion on the book cast. Hope you all have a good week. Stay safe. You have a nice too, week, Julia. Maureen. Bye for now. <laughs>